0: How many weren't here last week? Raise your hand if you didn't happen to make it last week. OK, um, today, as we pick up in verse 28, it's kind of like if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, it's kind of like walking in at the end of something very important. Uh, let's say you walk into a financial seminar in just the last few minutes. And the guy at the pulpit, you know, the guy at the uh, podium says, and that's how you make a million dollars in your spare time. With a paper clip and a stapler and he closes his book and he takes off. Um, There's a wild applause. Everybody gets up to leave. You're like, huh? Um, Or you walk into uh, or or you click on a live computer feed and it says, and that's how you solve world hunger simply and effectively. That's what it's kind of like. It's like Paul's marriage seminar, as it were. And we're coming in on the end of it here at verse 28, because he says, verse 28, so. Or that's how husbands ought to love their own wives. He says that's how husbands ought to love their own wives. So to enter this conversation this morning, y'all, we, we need to review a little bit. OK, it all started in Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty one. Because Jesus has loved us so wonderfully in response, he says, therefore, submit to one another. And then he spends the next, the rest of chapter five and the first part of chapter six talking about how we submit to one another. And he begins with the ladies, with wives. He says, ladies first, here's how you submit to one another. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Verse 22 to 24. I would encourage you, if you have missed this, to to get the CD or to listen online. Uh, Husbands. I would encourage you to listen to last week's message. It was based on, uh, no, it was not based on, it was from uh, Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27. Uh, Interesting that the Lord gives much more instruction to the husband than to the wife. And it basically came down to this last week. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Love your wife based on Jesus's love for his bride. And we've seen this over and over again. Paul takes us and says, look, look at the Jesus and his bride. Now, compare that to your marriage. We're like, huh? Um, he does this last week in, in language that I think every guy can understand. How many times do guys say things like this? OK, what's it going to cost me? Verse 25 says, here's what's going to cost you yourself. You need to give yourself sacrificially, just like Jesus. We joked last week. Just like Jesus did, you need to enter her world and die there. That was supposed to be funny. Um, verse 26. I guess I'll just have to give you cues. All right. Uh, uh, verse 26. Another guy thing is, what's my target? What's my aim? What is it that I'm shooting for? And you see it there. What you're shooting for, husbands, is your wife's purity, her blossoming, her growth. Just like Jesus with his bride, and we are his bride, he's committed to bringing us to to that wedding feast, a spotless, pure, precious lamb. Or lamb, bride, excuse me, there you go. Um, Verse 27, another thing that the guys ask, hey, what's in it for me? All right, if I have to do all these things, what do I get? Here's what you get, a beautiful, spotless bride. A spiritual hottie, we said last week. And think about it, not a wrinkle. That's pretty good. That was another joke. All right, this is going to be a long day. <sighs> Verse 28, as where we are this morning, Paul says, And that's how husbands ought to love their own wives. That's where we pick it up. Very first thing I want you to see now in our text the word ought. Again, it's the word ophilio in the Greek, and it literally means to owe, uh, to be in debt for. If it helps, you can think of the word ought as a contraction. Owe it. This word reminds us once again, husbands, we owe it to Jesus. Christian husbands, and it's really important for us to remember. I try to say this every week, and this is where we're going to say it today. Christian husbands, you are commanded to love your wife as Christ loves the church, but not to earn God's love, but to return it. You owe it. Christian wives, you are not to submit to your own husbands to earn God's love, but to return it because you ought. You owe it. Okay, it brings us right back into that that theme of Ephesians, right? Ephesians chapters one, two and three. You guys know the drill. Christian, this is the theme for it. chapters one, two and three. Christian, you are wealthy. You've been blessed beyond belief. Therefore, chapter four, five and six. Now walk worthy. Walk living up to all that that Christ has done for you. The riches, ridiculous riches that He's poured out for you. Okay, I have an outline for you today. Okay, uh, this is especially for the husbands, but it's for all of us. Today, Paul gives a simple rule for husbands, and it's based on a spiritual reality that's in every marriage, and then a summary reminder for both husbands and wives. You see that in the last verse. Okay, it's a simple rule for husbands. God knows we need it simple, right? Right. Uh, you, can, you can put that away now, right? Wives can remember tons and multiple things, multitask, all that stuff. I just need one thing. <laughs> just give me one. I can do it. Okay. A simple rule based on a spiritual reality, and then there's a summary reminder. Okay, ready? Husbands, here it is: a simple rule that can revolutionize our marriages. Amen. You ready? Mm-hmm. Just love her like you love yourself. All mm-hmm. well, the wives said, "Amen." He loves himself. No, no. Guys, this is not a slap in the face. It's just a statement of fact. Okay? And it's not just for guys. It's all of us. We all love ourselves. As I think you'll see. Matter of fact, you guys read the word his own or their own. Okay? Verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own. Man, I'm really going to have to wake you guys up. So husbands ought to love their own wives as... Their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own. his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Let's get down to the last verse. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own, his own wife as himself. Y'all, you know, it's even more obvious, actually, if you if you know Greek, you know, all of us. Um, The, the word... The word appears in the Greek, it's, it's this word, it's healtu, and it means one's own particular or his own. If, if you were to read it in Greek, this is how it would sound. Something like this. OK, I'm transcribing in English. Verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves his own self. Okay, that's bad grammar, but you know what I mean. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Then at verse 33, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular love his own wife as himself. Six times, guys, in three verses, Paul is saying, husbands, you need to love your wife just as much as you love your own body. And perhaps someone today is saying, ah, but that's just it. I don't love myself. I'm overweight. I'm unemployed. I'm a failure at many things. I don't have enough self-esteem. That's what I need. Self-esteem. Before I can love my wife like Christ loves the church, before I can love my wife like I love myself, I have to love myself. Yep, that's it. I just need to make myself happy then. When I truly love myself, I can love my wife, according to Ephesians 5. Paul would say, in all love. (laughs) No, no, that's the world's way of thinking. What you need is to love yourself more. Paul would say, dude, you're already love yourself. We all do. Look at verse 29. It says it right there. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Verse 29 is very emphatic um, that we really do all love ourselves. In the old King James, it says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. And in the Greek, the root of the word ever means where, in what place. So you could honestly translate verse 29 that Paul is saying something like this. For no one ever in any place in the history of the world, really hated his own body. No, on the contrary, you guys, we nourish our bodies, right? We feed our bodies sometimes too much stole this from Facebook, from one of you guys. With time, we women gain weight because we accumulate so much information and wisdom in our heads that when there is no more room, it distributes out to the rest of our bodies. (laughs) So we aren't heavy. We are enormously cultured, educated, and happy. Beginning today, when I look at my backside in the mirror, I will think, Good grief, look how smart I am. I must be great. (laughs) We nourish our bodies. How many of you have nourished your body within the last couple days? Okay, the rest of you are fasting. Very impressive. Or you're liars. We nourish our bodies and we cherish our bodies. We take care of it, right? We bathe, we clothe, we pamper our bodies. How many of you showered within the last week? (laughs) Please, everyone, raise your hand. Paul says, look, you don't need to be taught to love yourself. We are already experts at that. Maybe you still don't believe me. Let's say we took a, a group photo. The whole church, okay, about 200 of us, adults, kids. We put it up on the wall in the lobby. Who's the first person you're going to look for? You. Right? And if you don't look good in the picture, you got your eyes closed, you're making a goofy face, then the whole picture's ruined. <laughs> it could be the best picture that the other people have ever taken, but you're like, that picture's stupid. We already love ourselves. And Paul gives to every husband one simple rule just love your wife. Like you already love yourself. And we're going to expand on that thought. But I first want you to notice that this simple rule is based on a spiritual reality. Verse 29. For no one ever loved or excuse me, ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Okay, we're in the middle of the spiritual reality. It says for we, the church, are members of his. That is Jesus body. We're members of his that is Jesus' flesh and of his bones. Y'all, the simple rule. Let's see if the guys are paying attention. What's the simple rule? Pretty good. All right. You're starting to, starting to wake up. More coffee in the back, please. The simple rule. Husbands, love your wife as you love yourself. It's based on a spiritual reality there in verse 29 and 30. Spiritual reality is that of oneness. Once again, the third week in a row, Paul takes us in this marriage seminar and he says, look, I can teach you how to have a heavenly marriage. And the way that I'm going to do it is by pointing to Jesus and his bride, the church. And once again, just a reminder, who's the church? We are. are. I promise you there's something that if you get it can revolutionize your marriage. If you, you get it and actually live by it. It's this spiritual reality of oneness. And I'm praying, I've been praying this week that we would get it. It, This has been an eye-opener for me as well this week. Perhaps you've been taught, I've been taught, and I think I've even taught. And it's it's not inaccurate, it's just not complete. Have you ever been taught that the goal of marriage is to become one? That we are to strive to become one? That's noble. And in one sense, it's true, but it's not complete. If you stop there, I feel like you miss Paul's main point. Remember, we are learning about marriage by looking at Jesus and his bride, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now look at verse 30. It does not say, for we ought to be, we really should be, we should strive to be members of his body. That we should really try to be members of his flesh. We should really work at being members of his bones. No, verse 30 says that we already are members of his body. We are members of his flesh. We are members of his bones. See, we tend to read. I tended to read verse 31. That's quoted, by the way, from Genesis 2, 24. I've. I've oftentimes read it as a mission statement. Look at verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall strive to become one flesh. That's how I've read it. Sometimes it's a mission statement. That's what we're shooting for. But it doesn't say that y'all think about this because of verse 30. We can know that verse 31 is not merely a mission statement for marriage. Listen, it's a simple statement of fact, of a spiritual reality. Husbands, this is what Paul's getting at. You need to love your wife like you love your own body, like you, like you are one entity. You know why? Because you are. It's a spiritual reality. Verse 31 pulls back the curtain on the reality of marriage. Husbands, wives, when you said, I do, you became one. You guys remember where that's quoted from, right? Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. You remember the context? Adam said, right after God took a part of him, he said, she's bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. This must be what Paul is, is alluding to here. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She's part of me. It's right after that that this verse is first mentioned in Genesis. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall not shall strive to be, but shall that moment become one flesh. It reminds me of the talk of Adam, of one of those fractured Bible tales. It's actually a joke. Okay, so I'm warning you now, so you should laugh at the right time. God saw that Adam was alone and he wanted to make him a helper. He says, Adam, I've got the perfect wife for you. She'll be a gourmet cook. Mm. <laughs> Amen. Um, she'll, she'll wash the clothes, she'll press them, she'll be your secretary, she'll never nag, she'll never tell you to stop and ask directions. <laughs> she'll keep the house immaculate, she'll teach, feed, perfectly care for all of your perfectly obedient children. She'll never have a hair out of place and she'll always be ready for any amorous advance of yours. Adam said, what's it going to cost me? An arm and a leg. Hey, what can I get for a rib? (laughs) All right, that was polite. At least you laughed at the right time. Listen, listen, husbands, this will change your marriage. If you'll believe it and act on it. She is part of you. He who loves his wife loves himself. The smartest thing you can do for yourself is love your wife as if she was part of you because she is. When you said, I do, you became one. It's a spiritual reality. You cannot bless your wife without blessing yourself you cannot nourish and cherish her without benefiting yourself let me flip that around you cannot hurt your wife without hurting yourself I've got another story for you a woman is keeping vigil beside her husband's deathbed and he says to her before I die I have to some I have to confess something to you Shh, not right now she replies but I need to tell you, I I cheated on you. He admits, yes, I know. She replies, I, I need to clear my conscience before I die. Shh, just lie back and let the poison work. <laughs> Husbands, you cannot hurt your wife without hurting yourself. You cannot split what God has made one. You cannot split with your wife without paying dearly. How many divorced men does it take to change a light bulb? Who knows, they never get the house anyway. (laughs) Listen, it's a joke, but think about it. It's really not. We. We all know, I I know people in this church who've left their wives and lost their houses and their fortunes and their families. The respect of their sons, the respect of their daughters, the very relationship with their sons and daughters. I'm a product of a broken marriage. I don't know my dad that well. I really don't. What a shame. What a shame. You cannot hurt your wife. You cannot leave your wife. Without impacting yourself. Second service last week, some of you guys, you were here first service. A few of you probably were at both. You guys remember if you were here that I confessed that it was a long time between my last two oil changes. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It was really dumb. But I tell you what, that was my car. It was outside of me. It was separate from me. So if I let that go, worst case scenario, I spend a lot of money that I shouldn't have to spend. But guess what? Many of you also know that I've had health things going on, right? Tell you what, when the doctors wanted to do a sonogram on my body... A CT scan, then a biopsy on my liver. Then last Thursday, a body scan. What did I say? When do you want me there? You get it? Why? Because it's, it's part of me. Guys, this is a spiritual reality. Oneness is not something that we are shooting for. It's already settled. And he who loves his wife, loves himself. Applications. There are many. And this might, might touch close to home. Husbands, do you stand in front of the mirror ever and yell at yourself? Do you ever say to yourself, how could you be so stupid? Why would you do that with your wife? Husbands, when your back or part of your body gives you signals... And sometimes that's all you get from your wife, is signals. But it gives you signals that it's hurting. Do you say to your back, just get over it? When your body says to your head, I need some attention, do you say to it, What do you want from me? Guys, do you tell yourself, Dude, you got some extra junk in your trunk. You really want to eat that donut? Now, some of you guys are thinking, well, I'm a dieting. I actually sort of think that. Yes, you think it, but you don't say it. Right? Husbands, we are the head. What what do we call it when the head won't speak to the body? Paralysis. What about when a head and a body live two separate lives? It's a horror flick. Y'all, oneness is not the goal. It's spiritual reality. Husbands, please get this. If nothing else, you are already one. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated. That is to detest, to persecute his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Okay, that's the simple rule. It's based on this one spiritual reality. Oneness. And, and Paul, again, does a marvelous job of pointing us to Jesus and his bride, For it says, just as the Lord does the church, the Lord loves you guys. He loves the church as his own flesh. He nourishes us. He cherishes us. Verse 34, we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. The word leave there means forsaking all others. The the Marital relationship should be so close that even the father and mother relationship, which up to that point was the most important, even that should take a backseat. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined. That word is literally in the Greek super glued. Think welded, fused in such a way that any future separation will damage both parties. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh shall become not should become shall become one flesh. Verse 32 says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. See, we learn so much about our marriages, but Paul says, just so you know, I'm, I'm actually talking about Christ and his church. He says it's a great mystery. Uh, It's megas musterion. Megas, you know what that means. Huge, colossal, right? Musterion, if you've been around in the New Testament language, it doesn't mean a mystery that we can't figure out. It always means something that only the initiated are privy to. Y'all, Paul has just made us part of the initiated. He's pulled back the curtain on Jesus and his bride, the church. What I want to do, because I know I've dropped a bomb on some of you. I'm going to spend a little bit of time here encouraging you, because if you know him, if you're part of his bride, I want you to be encouraged. And if you don't know him, I want you to be jealous of what you're missing. Speaking to the bride of Christ. okay, and you guys know who you are. He loves you as his own body. Because you are a part of him. He nourishes. He cherishes. Just in case you're not that familiar with with Jesus and his nourishing and cherishing spirit. You remember when he said to Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know, right? They went through that whole thing. Peter and Jesus request. He says, if you love me, feed my sheep, nourish them. Jesus last word. Some of among Jesus last words to Peter were take care of my sheep, feed them. Will you feed them? I'm so concerned about their nourishment. What about Jesus last words to to John while he was on the cross? He says, take care of my mom. That's to cherish. Care for my mother. Y'all, this is your bridegroom. He left his father, God, and his mother, the Holy Spirit, as it were. He left his throne room in heaven and he came to the sin-soiled world that you and I are living in. And he chose you, the Bible says, while you were still mired in sin. To make you his holy bride without spot or wrinkle. And more amazingly, to be joined with you, to be inseparable from you. We are now one with him. I'm always struck when I think of, in Revelation, it says that, that Jesus, one who's, who though he is pierced, that means that the commitment that he made to us will never go away. He became one with us. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin that we might be called the righteousness of God. He became scarred that we could become spotless. He became like us so we could be like him. He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And what is communion, by the way? It's a reminder that we are one with Christ. What did he do? And he says, I want you to remember this. He nourished us. He says, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. And he cherishes us. It's a reminder that he gave himself his body as nourishment for us. He he loves us as part of his own body because we are. And think about this to be encouraged. I love it when the Lord gives me something at the last minute through my quiet time. Uh, Reading about David, he says... With you, I can scale a wall. I can, I can do supernatural things. How many times over the last three weeks have we said, look, marriage, what, what God is asking is not natural. It's supernatural. But think about this. Bride of Christ. If you and he are one, that means all of his power is yours. All of his self-control is yours. All of the ways that he loves us, it's possible for you to love another, your bride, your groom. Look, if you don't know him, I'm hoping that you see what you're missing. What you're missing is a rescuer who pays the price for your filth. He's already paid it. He's already laid down his life and he is willing to make you clean by coming into your world and dying there and becoming one with you. Remember when Jesus said, look, the whole, my whole thing here is you and I, and I and you, us together. One, uh, verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So it's a simple rule. It's based on a spiritual, ra- spiritual reality. And the last thing, we won't spend much time here, a summary, a reminder. In case you thought that this was just one more day when we were going to whip the, the guys, make them feel bad. No, there's a little bit to go around here. The last verse. Reminds us of the whole marriage seminar. Paul is a, is a great speaker, right? He wraps it all up here. Verse 33. Look, I'm speaking of Christ Christ's church, but nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. OK, where it says each one. You guys realize that means each one, each and every one of you. Paul reminds us nobody's exempt, and then he he takes it even further. He says each one of you in particular, like oh yeah, I mean you too, yeah in particular. He says let each one of you in particular so love his own life. Y'all, you know, this helps to remind us because maybe you you fall into this mindset. You think man that's that's really good that's that's awesome. And. I think most, you know, I think all of us should strive for that, but I don't know, I'm just not so much of a lovey-dovey kind of husband, that whole love her as you love yourself. I mean, that's just kind of not my personality. It doesn't say that it says each one of you in particular do this. Wives, it, you, you don't you have the same uh, lack of excuse. You can't say it. Well, look, it's not my personality to, to submit Or or more, more than that, probably what happens is husbands look at these verses and then they go, well, if she'll submit to me, I'll start loving her like Christ loves the church. And wives go, look, if you just love me like Christ loves the church, it'd be easy for me to submit to him. This says, look, let each one of you in particular. You're not off the hook just because they aren't holding up their end of the bargain. The whole concept here today is that we are joined, husband and wife. We're welded. Y'all, the devil wants to steal and to kill and destroy. He's telling some of you that it's already over. That your marriage is already dead. <laughs> Jesus is the the one who was resurrected. I, I stood before a group Last night and told them. And I believe it. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He owns resurrection. What if husbands, wives, what if you decided, regardless of whether she respects you. Submits to you. Husbands, what if you decided you will love her like Jesus loves you like he loves his church. Wives, what if you decided, regardless of whether he shows the love for you that you know Jesus has, what if because Jesus says, do this, because in, in return for, for my love, what if regardless of those things you showed him, submission, respect? And what about this? Three, three weeks now we've been talking about our marriages are the picture of Christ in the church, Right. If, if, if each one, if each party said, I'm taking my part serious. And, and I'll pray that the, the other person does as well. And, and let, me, let me say another thing. If you haven't tried this, if you're like, well, my marriage is over. But you haven't really tried this. Try it. What would happen if even just one party began? And what if both parties began? What about the world around you? The world is looking for Jesus. They don't know it, but they are. What about the picture that you're giving them as husband and a wife? Are they seeing how Christ loves his church? Are they seeing how the church is submitting to Jesus? It's a lofty goal, right? It's, but it's supernatural, but he is the one who has power of resurrection.